Well, I'm going to read Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 1 uh, through 12. Uh, pray, and then we'll dive into the Word together. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are, you not fi- are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are, fully number- are, are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let's pray. Lord, as we have sung, we want to make you Lord of all. You are indeed already Lord of all. God, we enter your holy presence in prayer. God, we thank you for your your greatness. We thank you for your majesty. God, you deserve all honor, praise, and glory. And God, when we enter into your presence, we are aware of your authority, of your authority to save and to destroy. And God, we are reminded of our sinfulness when we enter your holy presence. So God, first and foremost, we confess our sin to you. God, with the sins of this past week when we have not lived um, up to our beliefs, uh, we have walked, we have swerved to the right and to the left. God, help us. Help us to be aware of how our sin grieves the Holy Spirit. God, we pray now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, through his blood, that you would wash us yet again, Lord. That you would cleanse us from all the unrighteousness and wickedness in our lives, God, and purify us for your sake. That we would be a people of your own possession who are zealous, are zealous for good works and for the glory of your name. God, we thank you for forgiveness through Christ. Father, now we pray um, for our country. We pray for um, principles and superintendents in our land. God, we pray that you would give them wisdom um, and how to lead um, the educational process. Father, we pray that you'd be kind and gracious through them uh, to bless your people. God, make them a people who are um, zealous for the freedom of religion, God, not to hamper students from praying and praising your name, but God, that they would be free and open for those to proclaim the greatness of the Lord Jesus. 
God, we pray that the greatness of the Lord Jesus is, is extolled throughout our county now. Father, we pray for Roger Brown at Westerly Hills Baptist Church. God, we pray that as he stands up and preaches your word, that you would anoint him with the power of the Holy Spirit, God. We pray that you grow that congregation, that you form that body into the likeness of Christ, Lord. That they would be a better reflection of your image to the community. And God, we pray that for ourselves now. God, it is such a privilege. It is such a privilege to be able to preach to your people, the people who you have given me to shepherd. God, I pray that I would be a faithful under-shepherd as we wait for the chief shepherd to appear. So God, I pray that you would bless the people of God through the word of God, by the spirit of God, for the glory of God. God, we pray that you would allow me to diminish, that you may increase. So God, I pray as I, as I preach that I would hide myself behind the cross. God, we pray now that you would speak, that you would speak, Lord, we want to hear from you. We ask this in our name, in the name of our great and glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Act 1, scene 2 of William Shakespeare, Julius Caesar, is when Caesar and his friends are encountered by a soothsayer. Caesar says, Who is it in the press that calls on me? I hear a tongue, shriller than all the music, Christ Caesar, speak. The soothsayer responds, Beware of the Ides of March. Caesar responded, What man is that? Then Brutus speaks up and says, A soothsayer bids you beware of the Ides of March. Caesar called the soothsayer to come to him and asked him again, What sayest thou me now? Soothsayer again says, Beware of the Ides of March. After three warnings, Caesar brushes off the soothsayer by saying he's a dreamer. Let us leave him. Julius Caesar was the ruler of the Roman Republic, arguably the most powerful man on the planet. He was not concerned with the warnings of some old dreamer, some soothsayer. He did not heed the warnings, but rather mocked him. So Act, C, Act 3, Scene 1, Caesar encounters the soothsayer again and says to him, The Ides of March have come, mocking the soothsayer, saying, I have made it past this day. And the soothsayer responded, The Ides of March have come, and I am still alive and well, says Caesar. I am Caesar, what do I have to fear? The soothsayer humbly replies, I, Caesar, but not gone. See, the Ides of March had come, but they were not over. Caesar mocked the warning, disregarding the wise words of an older man. His pride allowed him to believe that he was above the warning. But pride, beloved, comes before the fall. Julius Caesar was assassinated that very day by his closest friends. He did not heed the warning and paid for it with his life. See, when we hear warnings from God's Word, they are a blessing to us. Warnings are given to protect people and from something dangerous looming in the future. The aim of the warning is always love and protection. So we see in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul is urging Timothy to warn people, to, to shut out warning to a certain group of people, that they would not teach any different doctrine 
nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Then he says this, he says, the aim of our charge, the reason why we call you to warn people not to teach, not to waver, not to swerve from the word of God. He says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Beloved, we must embrace warnings as an act of love. Uh, We do not want to be dismissive of the warnings and become like Julius Caesar, whose pride blinded him of the, the coming danger, costing him his very life. This morning, we're going to again open up the Gospel of Luke and hear the words of love from our great Savior, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus offers three warnings in the text to us this morning. I pray that you will examine your heart and embrace the Lord's charge of protective love. If you want to follow along in the bulletin provided for you, just flip on the back. We're going to walk through these three warnings. The first is beware of hidden hypocrisy. Beware of the hidden hypocrisy of the heart. Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, read with me again. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, uh, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will, will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Uh, Jesus, we we pick up where we left off in Luke back in November. What what Jesus is doing is continuing his teaching of the Pharisees, about avoiding the life of the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees were known for their excellent, their top-of-the-line religious behavior. Their external behavior was bar none above others. They lived a godly external life, but their hearts were far from the Lord. What Jesus is trying to do here is trying to say that the life of the Christian is primarily not in your external obedience, but it's in your obedience to him in your heart. Jesus says to the Pharisees in Luke chapter 11, verse 39, And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside of the cup make the inside also? See, the leaven of the Pharisees was hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is claiming to have moral standards and beliefs, but which one's own behavior and beliefs do not conform to your stated ones. It's pretense. It is a lie to the world of who you really are when no one else is around. Uh, Robert Redford was approached by one of his fans as he was getting into the elevator. Uh, The woman looked at him and said, are you the real Robert Redford? As the elevator's doors were closing, Redford replied, only when I'm alone. We can put a mask on in certain company, but our true character is revealed when we are alone. Uh, Jesus called out the Pharisees because he knew what was in their hearts. He knew they were hypocrites. He knew that they were lying to the world about their strong moral behavior while their hearts were far from God. They were full of greed and wickedness. 
So Jesus here warns his beloved disciples, the people that he loves, that the, the, the danger of trying to please man. As one writer says, the desire to impress people may lead to a double life. Hypocrisy is dangerous because it appeals to the lust of the heart. See, we want to be successful. We want to impress others. But in the end, our desire to impress others rather than God, we may end up living a life that is a lie. So look at this context. Luke specifically adds in verse 1, when so many thousands of people had gathered together, they were trampling on one another. See, Jesus had impressed people. So much so that the crowds that were surrounding him were trampling on one another. Now, if you know the Pharisees, what did the Pharisees crave? The Pharisees craved the praise of men. So they're starting to get jealous of Jesus because all these people are surrounding him. But Jesus is not concerned with the crowds. His main focus is not drawing people around him, but to him. There's difference. There's a difference in having a crowd and have people loving him. Jesus had what the Pharisees had craved in their hearts with one big difference. Jesus was the same person in public and in private. He was not a hypocrite. So Jesus takes his opportunity both to warn and to encourage his disciples. He was warning his disciples not to be like the Pharisees who falsely misrepresent themselves to gain a greater following. Jesus encourages his disciples to look to the future, the distant future, the day of judgment. One of the things you find throughout the New Testament is that the Bible continually points to the end. It wants you to live in light of eternity. Take your eyes off the here and now. Listen to what the Lord says. Nothing is covered up now that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Hear this warning. All will be revealed. This is a warning to not be like the Pharisees because one day their hearts of greed and wickedness will be revealed. God will not be mocked. This is a warning to all Christian disciples to avoid hypocrisy. Does your public life match up with your private life? Do your public beliefs match up with your private beliefs? Take this as a warning that one day that which is done in private will be declared from the housetops. So if you are here today struggling with secret sins or sins of the heart, greed, bitterness, lust, anger, repent. Repent today. Stop living the life of a Pharisee. We will all face judgment. So let us strive to live a life free from hypocrisy. Our public life matching our private life. Now, if we were going to look at each other and ask honestly, Do we all struggle days with hypocrisy? Yes. You know, the excuse that people give that I can't be part of a church because it's full of hypocrites. There's always room for one more. See, the difference is is that we in the church, we know we're sinners. 
We know we messed up. We're not trying to say that we're not. We're saying that we are so bad that we needed God Himself to come down and rescue us. We come desperate for the Lord Jesus Christ every week because we know how messed up we are. So if you act as if you're not messed up, you probably don't understand the New Testament. But we see examples of hypocrisy every day in our culture. Uh, we see them. We must take warning that this is, a, is an example for us that we would fall into the trap of the Pharisees. See, it's a danger, uh, but it's su- subtle. Uh, in 1950, UCLA, UCLA football coach Russell Sanders uh, told a group during a workshop, Men, I'll be honest, winning isn't everything. He paused for a long time and he said, Men, is the only thing. Our culture believes we should win at all cost. Dr. Beverly Hall, former superintendent of Atlantic Public Schools, believed this too. Hall was the ringleader of the largest cheating scandal in U.S. history, with 178 principals and teachers a part of the ring. They cheated to have better test scores because they wanted the financial benefit of being more successful. They also wanted the the praise and the acclaim of a successful professional life, having a school district succeed. Hall was so successful that she was actually appointed to President Obama's team as a member of the National Board of Education Sciences. She succeeded for a while until the things that were said in secret were shouted from the rooftop. The things that were hidden in the heart were fully disclosed. See, winning isn't everything. Winning isn't the only thing. Unless winning means loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Americans are obsessed with success, aren't we? I mean, I think about this. See, this is not just in our culture. This is also in our churches. And now we want our church to grow. We want our church to grow numerically. But if our church had no growth over the next year, but we were all individually becoming more holy and more pure and more, had a greater love for the Lord Jesus Christ, would I as your pastor be a success or a failure? See, I would be a failure in the eyes of the world because the church is not growing, but I might be honored in the eyes of God because we're seeing real spiritual growth happening in our congregation. We must redefine what success is by God's terms. And God says success is faithfulness to Him. We will see hypocrisy in our culture. And when you see it, remind yourself that that could be you if you're not careful. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. See, but it's also an encouragement to the disciples. Because there's many of you here who love Jesus, who, who want to serve him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So as the hypocrites will be revealed, so will those who honor the Lord in secret. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. See, success is not winning by worldly worldly standards, but true success is winning before the face of God. It's what you do in your private life. It's how you think and how you pray. God who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So if you are um, obscure, if you think people don't see your labor, they don't see your heart after God, Beloved, hear me, God sees. And one day, God will reward you for your private life that matches your public 
life. Do not be discouraged with silent successes or earthly failures. One day God will reward you. The second warning we see here in the morning, this morning's text is beware of the false fear of the heart. Beware of the false fear of the heart. So Jesus continues his warning uh, to live before the face of God. To live knowing that everything that you do or say, God sees and one day will hold you accountable for what you do. Look at verses 4 through 7. Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. So again, you see Jesus offering warning and encouragement. See, Jesus is more powerful than anything in this world. Any government, any leader, any army, any disease, any cancer. Jesus Christ is more powerful than anything. He wants his disciples to fear, but to have the right kind of fear. He reaffirms his love for them before he even addresses this. I think that any time Jesus speaks of hell to his disciples or about hell to his disciples, I think it's encouraging to see Jesus' love for his disciples. How does he start his address? I tell you, my friends, my friends. Too often when people hear the church speak of hell, they hear the anger in our voices. But do you hear Jesus' voice of love? My, my friends. Do not fear. Do not fear those who can only kill the body, but after that could do no more. But fear him, fear me, who has the authority that after I kill, I have the authority to cast into hell. But brothers, we should fear him. Friends, if you're here today and you have not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hear the words of God. Jesus Christ says, I have the authority to cast people into hell upon their death. We are all sinners. We all deserve judgment. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on sinners. We may not want to think about it, but when we search our hearts, we know what we deserve. We know that God sees our hearts. Matthew 15, 19 through 20, this is what Jesus says of the heart. He says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, Sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. So can I just ask you this morning, have you ever had an evil thought? Slandered or gossiped about someone? Stolen something? Lusted in your heart? If you answer yes to any of those questions, the Bible says you are defiled. And you deserve to be punished. And beloved, I deserve to be punished. I read that list, and I can be undone, for I know what's in my heart. I know what I deserve. But thanks be to God, who has the authority to cast into hell, but has the authority to save people from it as well. We are sinners deserving of His wrath, but we are valuable in the eyes of God. 
Listen to what he says. He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. If sparrows, birds, are not forgotten by God, do you think that you are not forgotten by God? God will not forget you. You are more valuable than sparrows. See, Jesus calls those who are his people his friends. So we see in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Anyone who turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus Christ as their Savior and obeys Him, the Bible says you are a friend of God. You are clean. You are cleansed with the blood of Christ. No longer defiled. He laid down His life for you. He died for you. He died in your place that we could be saved. So we don't want to fear those who can only take our life. But we need to remember that God, who knows every hair on your head, will bring you safely into his heavenly kingdom. Fear him, honor him. For when we fear God more than man, we will be fueled. We will have the the energy, the motivation to live for his glory. Pastor David Platt shares this story of Romanian pastor Joseph Son. uh, When he was interrogated by six men, Listen to one of our brothers in the faith, how he responded to persecution and torture. What is taking place here is not an encounter between you and me, he told one of his interrogators. This is an encounter between my God and me. See, my God is teaching me a lesson through you. I do not know what it is. Maybe he wants to teach me several lessons. I I only know, sirs, that you will do to me only what God wants you to do. And you will go no you will not go one inch further because you are only an instrument of God. Every day I saw those six pompous men as nothing more than my father's puppets. See, as the, as the interrogation went on, they threatened him. They threatened to take his life. But Jesus says, do not fear those who only can take your life. Listen to what he said to his captors. During an early inter- interrogation, I had told an officer who was threatened to kill me, Sir, let me explain how I see this issue. Your supreme weapon is killing. My supreme weapon is dying. Here's how it works. You know that my sermons on tape have spread all over the country. If you kill me, those sermons will be sprinkled with my blood. Everyone will know I died for my preaching. And everyone who has this tape will pick it up and say, I'd ra- I better listen again to what this man preached because he really meant it. He sealed it with his life. So, sir, my sermons will speak ten times louder than before. I will actually rejoice in the supreme victory if you kill me. After I said this, the interrogator sent me home. Another officer was interrogating a pastor friend of mine, told him, we know that Mr. Son would love to be a martyr, and we are not that foolish to fulfill his wish. I stopped Consider the meaning of that statement. I remember how for many years I had been afraid of dying. I kept a low profile because I wanted to live badly. I had wasted my life in inactivity. But now that I have placed my life on the altar and decided I was ready to die for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were telling me they would not kill me. I could go wherever I wanted in the country and preach whatever I wanted, knowing I was safe. As long as I tried to save my life, I was losing it. Now that I was willing to lose it, I found it. 
Praise God. Joseph was willing to die for the one who died for him. He placed his life on the altar and decided he was ready to die for the gospel. Are you willing to die for the gospel? Are you willing to die to your comforts? To your sin? Are you willing to die that others may live? Well, lastly, let's look at the third warning in this morning's text. Beware of deceptive denial of the heart. Beware of the deceptive denial of the heart. Uh, Jesus continues in verse 8 with another warning and another encouragement. As Joseph acknowledges Jesus before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. Look at verse 8. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. See, Jesus warns his disciples about the the deceptive denial of him. If you deny Jesus, Jesus will deny you. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you will fear and honor him and keep his commandments. Your words will not be mere lip service. They will not be clothed in an outward, external obedience, but they will be coming from the heart that has been crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. He makes two distinctions of kind of denials. Denying of the Son of Man and denying of the Holy Spirit. Look what verse 10 says. If anyone speaks a word against the Son of Man, and if anyone speaks a word against the Son of Man, will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. It can be confusing. Uh, One of the commentators Commentator, commentaries I read by Daryl Bach, he says this, I think it adds clarification, explaining what this means. The difference between blaspheming the Son of Man and blaspheming the Spirit is the blasphemy of the Son of Man is an instant rejection, or the blasphemy of the Spirit is a permanent decision of rejection. Once the Spirit's testimony about God's work through Jesus is permanently refused, then nothing can be forgiven since God's plan has been rejected. Now, during the crucifixion, the apostle Peter, in an instant, denied that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, even to a young girl. But he did not permanently refuse the plan of God revealed by the Holy Spirit to his heart. In a moment, he feared those who could kill the body. But his life demonstrated a life that trusted in the Holy Spirit of God. So Jesus is warning people about rejecting him. He has already warned people about the hidden hypocrisy of the heart, about false fear, so that they would not be deceived by rejecting the Holy Spirit. The promise of God to encourage the believers is that if you acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge you before the angels of God. Hear that. When you are pressed down on this world and you stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and you acknowledge Him, He will acknowledge you before the angels in heaven. Guys, this can happen in a variety of ways. I was talking to someone, even this past week, uh, who was praying for a meal. Simple prayer for a meal. And they, they mocked her. Why would you pray for your meal like that? And the response was priceless. If you acknowledge me before men, the Father will acknowledge me. Jesus will acknowledge me before the Father. 
we will all be tested to walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. To deny him in the presence of people who could take your reputation, who may take your friendship, but who cannot take your soul. Listen, to the, let me close with a scene from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 7 through 13. Uh, Peter and John were being questioned by the authorities. And listen to how they responded. And when they had set them in the mist, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. At the end of the text this morning, I just want you to see this. Jesus says that when you are put before authorities, when you are put before the the rulers and and the leaders of this age, don't worry what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And I want you to listen when John and Peter were before the, the council and they were being questioned by the authorities, what did they say? How did they respond? What did they hold on to? What did the Holy Spirit bring to their hearts? Listen. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Uh, Beloved, in the face of persecution, the apostles preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. They held fast to what Jesus Christ has done for them in his death and his resurrection. They testified that there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven which man can be saved outside of the name of Jesus Christ. And when they looked at them, they realized their courage Their boldness had come because they spent time with Jesus. If you don't want to be a hypocrite, if you don't want to have false fears, if you don't want to deny Jesus Christ, here's your solution. Spend time with Jesus. Fall in love with the Savior. Rejoice in what he has done for you, giving himself that you may live. In response to what he has given for you, be willing to lay your life at the altar so that you may truly find it. Let's pray. Father, protect us from hypocrisy. Protect us from false fears. Protect us from denying you. God, you are so good to us. God, I pray that we would fall in love, that we would always be in love with the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, show us again and again how beautiful the gospel is, that we would spend time with you and have great courage. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.